Let's exalt his name together. Come on, clap your hands and shout to the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. He's worthy to be praised tonight. How many believe he's worthy? Come on, if he's been good to you, why don't you shout unto him right now? If he's ever healed your body, if he's ever changed your situation, he's holy. Somebody shout, he's holy. How many believe he's wonderful tonight? Amen, amen, amen. Remain standing for the reading of the word of the Lord tonight. The book of Philippians chapter 1, reading with verse 3. It's great to be at church. Amen. On a Sunday night. Look at your neighbor and say, anything can happen tonight. This could be life changing for somebody. Your whole trajectory could change tonight. Everything the devil has pushed back on you in the year of 2019. God can take everything the devil meant for evil and turn it for good. Come on, we're about to close this year out and I believe we're coming out of what the devil's trying to stop us from and gonna receive every promise that God has set before us. Somebody shout amen. Amen, amen. I'm gonna tell you what I feel. Just before the miracle comes weariness. Just before the answered prayer comes a settling. Don't settle to not have your miracle. Jesus looked at the most critical hour of his entire life, especially his three and a half years of ministry of walking with his disciples. He said, I need you to pray with me. He goes into the garden of Gethsemane when he looks over, comes back to see his disciples, they were asleep. He said, could you not stay awake with me one hour? I've been in churches that way. They couldn't stay awake with me one hour. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you right now, at the most crucial and critical point of his entire ministry, the disciples got weary. We cannot get weary just before the miracle. There's a miracle about to take place in this church. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about something God's gonna release in this, this region. God's gonna do something specific in Zanesville. For many of you, it's gonna be in your entire family. You can't come to church and just settle. Amen. I'm preaching to some people that maybe are watching even online tonight that they were too tired to come to church and too weary to come to the house of God. And they say, well, it's a tough time of year. I've been busy. Don't settle before the miracle. I'm preaching this congregation. If there's ever a time to stand up in the midst of weariness and say, God has been good to me and I believe it's my time for the favor of the Lord. Clap your hands and shout. I'm telling some of you home, there's a miracle on the way. Don't get weary before the miracle. I want you to elbow your neighbor and say, don't get weary before your miracle. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. I know I need to preach, but I'm just gonna tell you what I feel is your, your shepherd, what I, what I feel from the hillside tonight looking over the sheep. Weariness comes at harvest time. 
Hard to pray? Weariness comes at harvest time. Has it been hard to have devotion? Weariness comes at harvest time. Has it been hard to get to the prayer room? Weariness happens at harvest time. Has it been hard to worship? Weariness happens at harvest time. You're not weary because you're unrighteous. You're weary because you're on the threshold of an answered prayer, the threshold of a miracle. So you know what I say? Clap your hands anyhow. You know what I say? Shout hallelujah anyhow. Come on, the devil thought he was gonna get you, but there's a miracle in this building tonight. Come on, if you've been praying, I wish somebody would get out of your seat just for a moment and say, I'm weary, but there's a miracle on the way. I'm weary, but there's a breakthrough about to take place. I'm weary, but my son is about to come home. My daughter's about to get the miracle I've been praying for. I refuse to set back. I refuse to quit. There is a miracle. Come on, mama. Praise him anyhow. Come on, daddy. Praise him anyhow. I want you to step across the aisle. Look at somebody and smile at them and say the miracle's on the way. Go ahead, sister Joel, and praise him. Come on, walk across the aisle and look at him and tell him the miracle is on the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sister Tabor, come here. My, 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 my. Somebody shout, the miracle's on the way. I'm going to tell you what weary people need to do. They need to get up and go to the house of God. You know what the weary people ought to do? Read your Bible anyhow. Weary people ought to get up when the alarm sounds and pray anyhow. Come on, I'm gonna shout hallelujah. I'm not gonna let the devil get my miracle. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm not gonna let the devil get my miracle. What am I saying? I'm not leaving when the answer's coming. Sister Tabor, Tabor, come here. The Lord knows everything you've been through. But Sister Tabor, when I look at you, I think of the story of Jairus. When Jairus' daughter was sick unto death and uh, they knew she's not well. She was 12. But you know, when Jesus went on the way to her house, there was a woman that came with an issue of blood that had it for 12 years. A 12-year issue. 12-year-old daughter, Jairus' daughter, on the way to his house, a lady with a 12-year issue. And somebody had told her, if you could just touch him, if you could just touch him, you will be made whole. I believe there's enough anointing in here to not only heal that brain bleed that you had, I believe he can open up the ear tonight. I believe God can heal you before you leave this room. Hallelujah. I believe God is able to heal. I believe God's able to heal tonight. I really do. How many feel the anointing in this room tonight? Don't you quit on the edge of a miracle. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, miracles are here. Weariness happens. Sister Tabor, I feel God. Do you feel the Lord touching you? 
Is it your right ear? Can you hear out of it yet? Can you hear out of your right ear? You can hear right now? We're believing God's going to open it 100%. Come on, we're praying and believing in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, God can do anything. Some of you have been fighting hell, weariness of the battle, the devil doing everything he can to destroy you, but I'm telling you, greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. Hallelujah. There's an old song that says, he never promised that the cross would not get heavy and that the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered victory without fighting, but he said help would always come in time. <laughs> Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says, give in. Here's what I'm saying. Just hold on. Our Lord's going to show up. He's going to take you through the fire again. I'm telling somebody, God's bringing you through this. Don't quit in the midst of a miracle. Don't stop when the enemy's opposing you. Come on, if you have battled weariness, you've been praying for a miracle, I want you to get out in the aisle. Lift your hands in the air. Come on, you know who you are. Get out of the aisle and say, I am believing that God is going to answer my prayer. I'm committing to the miracle. I'm committing to the answer. I'm committing that God is going to finish the work that he began. Come on, begin to lift your voice. Begin to lift your voice all over the building. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I feel healing in this room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Somebody shout in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands and praise him all over the building. Well, how many is ready to have church on Sunday night evangelistic service? I feel like being an evangelist tonight and watch some people get a breakthrough and pray through. How's that sound tonight? Amen. The book of Philippians chapter 1. It's good to have our cousin Christy and so glad to have Eric with us tonight. Would you welcome them? We're so glad that they're here. So glad you're here. Amen. Praise God. Philippians 1 and 3 says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. He says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing. Watch. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many believe that? 
The New Living Translation says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Look at your neighbor and say, God's going to finish the work. How many believe that? I like to preach to you on this subject tonight, unfinished tasks. Unfinished tasks. Somebody say amen. God bless you You as you are seated. It was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday before Easter, maybe seven years ago or so, that I was actually in this area of the altar and I was praying and God visited me and began to speak to me about people that I would be preaching to. And he said to me, people try to forget what their soul will never forget. The soul of a man, the emotions of a man, the conscience of a man. You see, when we make a mistake, what do we do naturally? We blame something. When God approached Adam in the garden and he said, Adam, did you take the tree? You know what he did? He pointed at his wife. It's that woman that you gave me. He looks at Eve. You know what Eve did? It's that serpent. How many ever looked at one of your kids and your kids said, it wasn't me? They pointed at the neighbor. You know what I'm talking about? We blame something God said. You can blame a lot of things, but your soul knows the truth. When your soul understands the fact, you can lie to others, you can lie to yourself, but your soul knows the truth. And what can happen is when sin enters and you blame it on your upbringing, you, you blame it on uh, what happened to you and, and you blame it on this person or that person or this situation or, or where you lived in town. Maybe you even blame it upon the generation you were born in, but the fact of the matter is sin is a choice. It's a choice. Somebody say, we call them mistakes, but the reality, it's choices that we make. And, you can, you can seek a lot of things to try to find why you did it, but the fact of the matter is, is you chose sin. The scripture says that all of us were born into sin and sin's very easy. It's second nature for us, isn't it? It's just, it's just there. But the fact of the matter is, you can lie to others, you can lie to yourself, but your soul knows the truth. You sinned. And God spoke to me right here and he said the problem right now with people is they do not want to face the fact they messed it up. Their choice affected them and it affected others. In this room today, we have something in common. We have all have regrets. Everyone in this room has a skeleton in your closet. Come on. I had one guy told me, he said, Preacher, I never, I've never sinned. I thought, you're lying right now. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I never sinned in my life. The guy was in his 30s. I'm like, all have sinned. We've all made mistakes. 
And what happens in America and then followed with all of these things and not facing reality that you sin, you made a bad decision, should have never made friends with that person, should have went around there. You, you knew it was wrong to take the first drink. You knew it was wrong to go in this atmosphere and on and on and on. And, and what you want to say that it wasn't your fault. You go to sleep at night that you do not rest. Why? Because your soul knows the truth. The soul knows that you are a sinner. You chose sin over righteousness. So all of a sudden you got to have anxiety pills and you got insomnia. And I'm not saying in every case it's because of sin, but I'm saying that sin does bring restlessness. Sin does bring guilt. Sin does bring negative emotions, Brother Cody. And you can't figure out why you're so tired all the time. I feel like preaching. You can't figure out why you're so weary all the time. You sleep eight hours, it's not good enough. You sleep 10 hours, it's not good enough. You take a two-hour nap after a 12-hour night of sleep and you still feel tired. Why? Because you're sleeping, but you're not resting. There's a difference. But I want you to understand, there's a very easy solution. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He said, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. It's very simple. You repent. You confess your faults to the Lord. You just come down the altar. Like he, he, he compared a couple people. I, I preached about it probably six months ago. I had a, a brother Gio on this side being a Pharisee, and I had a, somebody else on this side being a sinner. And Jesus is in the temple, and this man is, is saying, Oh, God. I thank you that I'm not like this man. The religious leader is looking down on the publican or the sinner. But the publican was just simply doing something like this. Oh, Bible says he was smiting his chest and he was saying, oh, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, whose prayer was heard? Was it the religious man that was saying that he's glad he's not like that man? Or was it this man that was just smiting his chest saying, I am a sinner. I don't care if you've been in church 50 years. If you sinned, you need to go tell God, I'm a sinner. I don't care if you made mistakes for the last 15. Don't blame it on everything. Just get honest with God and say, Lord, I made some bad choices. I chose sin. I chose unrighteousness because it feels good. Let me tell you what will happen. Your soul will come alive. Your spirit will be set free. Why? Because you're no longer hiding the truth that you made made a mistake. It's that simple. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is, everybody shout quick. That doesn't mean a 15 minute sermon. For the word of God is quick. It means it's alive. And it's what? Powerful. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. I used him this morning. I'm going to use you. I'm not dumping water over your head. Come here. The word of God is quick. It's alive. That means it's relevant to where you are right now. 
That's what it means. It means it is a right now word. It's a Rima word. It matches where you are, where you're sitting, what you're doing, what you're going through. Amen. We don't need some old sermon from 20 years ago. We need a fresh word from the Lord. Come on, how many know God knows exactly where you're at and knows exactly what you need tonight? Watch this. And you come to church and the word of God starts preaching and the preacher's preaching the word of God's coming for the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even through the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. Ready? And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When the word of God is coming forth, you start seeing where you are right now. It exposes you. It shows you where you're at. How many's ever been in church? You thought, man, somebody been talking to that preacher. How many's ever been there? My goodness, I've been there. I've been there. I thought somebody was talking to my daddy. He was the preacher, you know. Who went and told my dad? Well, the Lord told because the word of God is a discerner. It knows exactly where you are. It knows exactly what you need. It is not here to condemn you. Come on, preaching should never condemn you. It ought to save you. It ought, to, it ought to make you want to come out. It, ought to, it, it should make you want to live better. It should make you feel like God can change your situation. It shouldn't make me feel like God hates me and he's against me. The word of God, when it's preached right, it'll say, you know what? I am a sinner, but I don't have to stay a sinner. I made a mistake, but God went to the cross to pull me out of my mistake. God wants to change my life. That's why it continues, watch this. And it says all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him. All things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do or to deal with. That means you can't hide from God. You can try to drown it in alcohol. You can try to drown it in media. You can scroll through Facebook over and over and over again to try to override the emotion of guilt if you want, but you can't hide it from God. He knows, he sees it. So what I'm preaching tonight, he said this, for we have a high priest. We have a high priest who has passed into the heavens. Jesus, somebody shout Jesus. I gotta slow down here and teach for a minute. We have a high priest who has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God. Therefore, everybody hold your hand up like this. Let us hold fast our profession. Watch this, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. Quit trying to numb your feeling and deal with it. America wants to numb everything instead of deal with it. They go through a crisis, they try to numb it instead of deal with it. When you lose a loved one, easiest thing to do is try to numb it instead of grieve it. But mourning will bring comfort. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Somebody say amen. amen. You've got to have feeling. Guilt is a feeling. Regret is a feeling. Sometimes restlessness is a feeling. When you put your hand on the stove, and it's burning your flesh. You ought to be thankful you can feel pain. Or you lose your hand. When sin comes, 
it brings a feeling. It brings pain. It keeps you up at night. Come on, how many's ever said something to somebody and you laid in bed at night worried about how you made them feel? How many's ever done something and you were so regretful? You grieved over it. Your chest was heavy. Am I preaching to any real people right now? He said, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. That means our weakness. Everybody in this room, there's people in this church that'll be tempted with things that people on this side of the church never bother them with. There's people on this side of the church that don't have temptations that people on this, this side of the church, it would, never, it would never tempt them once because we're individuals. We're challenged by individual temptation. Can I get a witness from somebody? Or all of you born out of the womb and you, and you came out of the womb and you were eating manna from heaven. Hanging out with angels. I don't think so. I think we're real people here tonight. And what it's saying is, you don't have to run to the doctor with your feeling of, of, of guilt, your feeling of regret. You know what he's saying? If you sin and you make a mistake, you don't have to blame it on anything and everybody around you. Let me tell you what you can do if you make a mistake. He allows you to have a conscience to run back to him and say, God, I made a mistake. I need a miracle today. I need a healing today. He's not gonna kick you and shun you away, huh? He's like the father with the son that's saying, help me, daddy. That's not gonna reject you. He's gonna restore you and heal you. You know what the greatest preacher in the world is? And not your pastor on Sunday. It's your conscience on Monday. Listen, I shouldn't have done that. I'm preaching to some people right now. You can come to the altar. You can come to the Lord and say, I sinned. I need a savior. I need forgiveness. He's not gonna push you away. Watch this, Brother Ronnie, stand up. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. What that means is it's a double negative. We have a high priest who can be touched. With what? The feeling of my mistakes. The feeling of what I'm concerned about. Everybody say this with me. Cast all your care on him. Why? For he careth for you. I want you to look at somebody next to you and say, cast all your care on him. For he careth for you. I got a great message for you tonight. You do not have to continue in the life of guilt or feeling separated from God. You can simply come down to the altar tonight, repent of your sins. Matter of fact, you could even do it at your seat and get the same result. Just Jesus, I messed up, but I need a new start. I need a new beginning. I need a, I need a brand new beginning. Come on. How many remember the day you repented? I know I did. He didn't shun me away. He gave me a new start. Somebody shout a new beginning. I want everybody to shout new beginning. Some of you have had a, had a terrible year in 2019, but I believe 2020 is a brand new beginning. Come on, the devil did everything he can, but you've got a merciful God that allows you in his presence even when you make a mistake. Come on, am I preaching to anybody tonight? I come to tell you when Adam sinned in the garden, God didn't just kick him out. He came looking for him. Adam, Adam, where you at, Adam? I come to tell you that when you sinned, it didn't scare God away from you. No, it brought him right to your presence because he knows he is your mercy. He is your grace. Come on, Calvary doesn't represent a place of condemnation. It represents a place of resurrection. 
Jump to your feet and clap your hands if he's ever saved you from a sin. Come on, everybody, get on your feet. Clap your hands if he's ever resurrected you. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Now let's get practical here for a moment. Let's get practical. It's hard to sleep at night when you know you've got unfinished tasks. How many know that? How many's ever had a project going on at your house? How many's got projects going on at your house right now? Kitchens and bathrooms, finished, unfinished floors. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what I've learned? Hang with me. It's hard to pray at home when you've got an unfinished task. Well, you should have seen me during these renovations because I'm ADD, they tell me. I've never been diagnosed, but I, I think I am. Just see me trying to have church from the pulpit during renovations. When I saw recess lights hanging that I tied up with a wire so we have lighting when we tore the ceiling out. And I'm trying to figure out the next move and trying to preach and try to worship during service. So whatever I said during renovations, don't hold it against the church or me, amen? Because unfinished tasks has a way of making you feel distracted and incomplete. I recommend that if you have unfinished tasks and you've already got some level of plan, don't watch HGTV or get on Pinterest. Can I get a witness from somebody right now? Because what will happen is, if you, if you get on and see some uh, uh, fixer-up or some deal of, of, of how to better decorate and how to better do something, then what you're going to do is you're going to add to your task list of incomplete instead of finishing what you already have. Am I right? And so you don't have unfinished tasks. You've got unfinished tasks. You know I'm preaching the truth. It's unfinished. And some of you aren't praying, not because you're not spiritual. You're praying because you started too many projects. And it's quiet in here because I'm, I'm hit home. I've been praying. I know what I'm preaching. You know, you want to have prayer at home. You want to do this at home. But you've got to do this. You've got to take care of this and this. It was never the will of God to be so busy that you can't pray. It was never the will of God. And in prayer before service, it, it, it came up on me is that there was a day in Noah's day that they, they did not retain God in their knowledge. And listen to me, the American church. While God's looking out of heaven, he sees people somewhere in some country that walk two miles to get to the house of God, that live in a hut and dig up roots. The only thing they got to eat is some root they put out of the jungle somewhere. But yet they're hungry for the house of God. I'm preaching this congregation God has an all-seeing eye. That's why he's looking in Zanesville. He's looking in Zimbabwe, the jungle of Asia, and down in Peiting, Guatemala. He sees it all at the same time. If we're not careful, we will excuse ourselves out of things that are, that are, are not only important, but they're imperative to live for God, like prayer and reading our Bible, being at the house of God. Why? Because we've got unfinished tasks at our house. I'm teaching you right now. You know what you need to do? You need to step back. Maybe skip a meal. 
maybe fast a couple days and say, I think I'm out of balance because when you have unfinished tasks and you're not praying, what will happen is your emotion will plummet down to dissatisfaction. You won't be happy. You won't feel complete. You won't feel satisfied. Church will be ho-hum. Christmas will be ho-hum. You won't even enjoy the family time. Why? Because you've got unfinished things. And when you sleep, your soul knows you've got something to do. I have family members that have had projects they were trying to work on. While they were sleeping, they would dream about the project. Anybody ever done that? Had an uncle that worked hours and hours on an engine went to sleep, and in the dream, he figured out how to fix the problem. Now, that would be nice if we, how many's ever laid in bed at night wondering how to make the next move on the project? Can I get a witness from any normal people in the building? Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if you would have dreamt up the solution? Here's my point. While you're sleeping, you're still working. Why? Incomplete, unfinished tasks. And it's my concern that projects move into the church the way TV did back in the 60s and 70s. For one reason, to consume our time from God. Where are you putting your time at today? I told our staff the other day, I said, I want you to make a list of unfinished tasks. You need to figure out what you need to do Y'all know I'm preaching right. Come on. We don't have time to not pray. Come on. If the Lord came this year, is it better to start another project and not pray and your family be lost and go to hell or to spend some time to pray them out of the pit of bondage that the devil has them in? Come on, I'm not preaching just to a a local congregation. I'm talking to the church of Jesus Christ that God ordained for the last hour. We don't have, I'm not saying you can't fix your home up, but don't please don't start another project if you're not praying, you're not seeking God, you're not reading your Bible. Come on, I'm preaching to you right now. We need to have that prayer is priority. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, prayer is not important, it's imperative. It's a must. I wonder how many moms and dads right now will say, I'm going to limit the task list, but I'm going to get a hold of God. It's going to be the priority. I wonder if there's a mama in the building that says, I want to make prayer the number one for 2020. Come on. If you are, jump to your feet. If there's a mother in this room, a dad in this room that says, prayer is going to be my priority. I will not allow culture to take away. Somebody say amen. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Unfinished tasks become a burden on the soul. Simple, practical house projects, maybe work, maybe whatever it is, got involved in too many things, committed to too many things. You had good intentions, but now it's a burden. Over the years, I have learned, you're quiet because you're listening, right? Over the years, I have learned as much about what keeps me from prayer as much as I have how to pray. Incomplete tasks is on the list of what keeps me from praying. Don't create a task list, obligations that you cannot fulfill. Please hear the heartbeat of your pastor that you cannot fulfill. 
renovations are not more important than a revival service. Working yourself to a place of weariness to where you have no time for God was never the will of God. How I many know he said there's a Sabbath you need to keep it holy? Reserve for what? Reserve for him. This year, some of you, if you will obey what I'm preaching tonight, you will find yourself lost in the spirit of prayer. When the spirit of prayer comes upon a person, you won't, it'll feel like 30 minutes and you might have been there for two hours. The spirit of prayer. But the reason we cannot get into a spirit of prayer because our soul is in unrest and our mind is spinning out of control. Social media has caused our minds to become spastic to where you can't sleep because of your concern about everybody in the world. God didn't give you enough emotion to spend on all those prayer requests on Facebook. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? And that if you don't pray, if you don't send this on, you have to be very, very careful where you put your time because your heart will turn away from God. How in the world can descendants of Ham, Sham, and Japheth that while Noah was alive after they all four and their wives lived through the flood. How in the world could they turn away from God experiencing the flood, building the ark and their grandkids and their kids while Noah's telling them about the judgment of God walk away. I'm going to tell you how. Unfinished tasks. Got to outdo your brother. Got to live up to somebody else. Got to have the latest, greatest car. You got to have the latest, greatest whatever. And you spend your mind, I'm in this right now. But you hear me, God's looking for a church in Zanesville that'll be a revival-minded church, that'll love souls more than themselves. Come on, that'll love the things of the kingdom more than the things of this world. Let's not get caught up in the culture. Let's be an apostolic culture. Let's be a, a book of Acts culture. Come on, let's be a church culture that believes in miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen. Somebody shout Hallelujah. Come on, I'm talking about getting it back to where I said, I can't wait to go to the house of God because you never know what's going to happen when we get there. Not, I can't wait to leave because I got things to do. I can't go Sunday night. I can't go here. Why? Because I, I've got a schedule to fulfill. I'm a, I'm a worker. I, I work a job all week. I need, to be at the, I need to be at home taking care of things. No, we can't get so unbalanced that the God's house is not a priority. we got to make the things of God number one in our life. And I think you ought to clap your hands and shout hallelujah. That's the practical. Let's, let's, let's end in the spiritual and the hopeful. Can I tell you this evening that, the, that, that God said in the text that I read tonight, he said, being confident. Everybody shout confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout God is gonna finish the work. I preached to you tonight that God had a call of God upon Samson. Samson was prophesied, not only by an angel to his mother and his father, but Samson was prophesied. Bear with me just a few minutes here. He was prophesied to by Jacob to Dan. Jacob's son had 12 sons. One of them was named Dan. And Jacob said to Dan, he said, Dan, out of you will come a judge. Out of the Danites, for the descents of, the, of Dan, Guess who was born? It was Samson in the book of Judges chapter 13. Samson, he said to the angel, said to his mother, 
You're going to have a baby. I want you to keep the vow of a Nazarite. Hair's never to be cut. He's never to go be around the dead. And he is not to take of the vine. He is to have nothing of the vine. How many's ever heard the vow of a Nazarite? Not just a six-month vow, but his entire life. As a matter of fact, he told her, said, you're with child. Don't you take of the vine while he's in the womb because he's separated unto me. I've got a purpose for his life. When he was born, there's a great verse that says, and the spirit of the Lord moved upon him from here to here. Next verse, Samson disobeys his parents. He disobeys God and it goes down and it goes down to the harlot's house and he finds a wife of the people of the Philistines. It's not long until Samson finds himself in the hands of the enemy. Brother Ronnie, he was strong enough to carry the gates off to the city. He was strong enough by the anointing of God I preached about this morning to fight 1,000 Philistines and to conquer them all by himself. He was strong enough as a man of God to kill a lion with his own hands. But there came a day and time in his life that he rejected his covenant with God. He walked away from the Lord and he went and put his head in the lap of Delilah who was hired by the enemy to destroy him. I'm preaching here tonight that the devil would love to destroy this church. He would love to destroy your anointing. He would love for anchor churches to shut down. He would love to take preachers in this church and drag them out of this church. He would love to stop what God has begun in your life. And it appeared that way. Samson wakes up after three times and he tells her his whole heart. He wakes up one day and she had shaved his head in the night. His hair, his consecration shaved his head. First time his hair had ever been cut since he was born. Shaved his hair, shaved his head. And when he wakes up, he goes to grab a Philistine soldier and to throw him in a camp. A guy that he could have thrown through the wall. Now it's just, come here, come here, brother Luke. Samson. Samson, at one point, soldiers come against him, he goes to grab him and he can't anymore. He, what's wrong? He can't and they bind him. They put him in the dungeon after plucking his eyes out. In the dungeon, down in the basement, grinding meal with the women. Oh yeah, they are shouting in the streets. We've conquered the champion of the children of Israel. News has spread it's made it on the Jerusalem Herald. It's made it on the Jerusalem Herald. Samson has been conquered. Samson is now slaved to the Philistines. Somewhere when everybody's grieving, when everybody thinks it's over, when everybody thought there would never be another victory, what you don't understand, he's still God's anointed man. He was in the basement. They're getting ready to make sport of him. But the scripture says, and I'm preaching this tonight, because even God has a list of unfinished tasks. Oh yeah, he's in the basement, Sawyer. He's, his hair had been shaved. He's blind now. But one day in the jail cell, he reaches up and the scripture says, how be it? His hair began to grow. I don't know what happened, but it must have been for the first time over a period of weeks after his head had been shaved. He puts his hands and begins to run his hands through his hair. And somewhere 
the thought just came over him. Is it possible that the mercy of God could come upon me as my hair grows? Maybe God is not finished with what he begun in me. Yes, I've made some mistakes. Yes, I haven't done right. But is it possible God has an unfinished task list? This is I'm not done with you even though you made some mistakes. And somewhere, they're about to send. They're about to send for him to bring him before all of the house of the Philistines to, to worship their God Dagon for what he's done in conquering Samson. And somewhere, he sent for a lad. And he began to lead him. A blind man. Probably weak and scrawny from the food they fed him. You see... He looked feeble on the outside. He can't see like he used to. But there's something still stirring on the inside. He said, lead me. Hey, boy. He said, lead me to the pillars. Lead me to the pillars. Take me to the pillars. There's something I know about God. God's gonna finish the work that he begun. He leads him to the pillars. Are y'all with me here tonight? He leads him to the pillars and he puts a hand on this pillar. And he puts a hand on this pillar. And he said, God, I'm asking you to move upon me again that I might be avenged of mine eyes. And the scripture says that when he prayed, the spirit of the Lord moved upon him again. And the victory in that day was greater than the victories in his entire life. You know what the devil should have done? He should have killed him at Delilah's house. He should have killed him in the basement. But the devil made a mistake. Samson prayed one more time. And I'm preaching to you tonight, you might have failed God. You might have failed miserably. But there's a one more prayer that you can pray that God will finish the work that he began in your life. Come on, stand to your feet. If you're not standing, to clap your hands. God will finish. I believe there's backsliders all over this city. I believe there's backsliders all over this region. Yeah, they're at a bar stool last night. Some of them might have been somewhere not even thinking about God even tonight. But I believe there's gonna come a moment of awakening in this region where God is gonna awaken the faith of every backslider. And I believe they're gonna say, it's not over yet. If I've got breath in my body, I believe God has a work for me to, come on, I'm not preaching to anybody tonight that says, God has an unfinished task in my life. Oh yeah, they should have killed the prodigal. They should have killed him when he was in the pig pen. They should have killed him at the harlot's house. They should have killed him at the bar. They should have killed him when he was doing what he was doing. But no, 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 no. The nature of the devil, Sister Krista, is to just to see how low he can take you. It wasn't good enough just him getting drunk and vomiting all over himself. People laughing at him and him acting crazy, saying things he shouldn't be saying. No, he'll take a little bit further. He's gonna spend everything he has. He's, before it's over with, he's gonna be dependent upon somebody to give him a job in a pig pen. Aren't you glad when you're in the pig pen, God still saw you? Come on, he hasn't ever stopped looking at you. When you were doing things that were wrong, his eye was still on you. He saw you where you were. 
You know what he's just waiting on? He's just waiting on you to pray one more time. I really feel like there's somebody here tonight. God's not here to condemn you. He said, I've got a work for you to finish. I've got a plan for your life. I've got a destiny that's not done yet. I need you to pray. One more time. Brother Hyden, the devil made a mistake. He should have killed him, but he didn't. He just wanted to shame him. Spread his name all over and talk about what a mess he is. But he did it, Elizabeth. And somewhere at his low, what he felt was the lowest point, he was waiting on him to eat the husk the swine did eat. But he came to himself. Aren't you glad you came to yourself? And he said, I think I'll go to my father. And once he turned and started going to the father's house, the enemy could not touch him because God had an unfinished task for his life. He put the ring on his finger, iron coat on his body, shined his shoes, had a fatted calf and threw a party. You know why? Because my son that was dead is now alive. My son that was lost was now found. Somebody shout, unfinished tasks. Some of you are haunted by guilt and condemnation. That's why, that's why I don't see the Lord. You're just saying, I just hope he lets me in one of these days. You're missing it. The mercy of God not only lets you back in the church, it allows you to finish what he called you to do. Look at your neighbor and say there's an unfinished task in your life. I do blame it on the devil. Samson was battled because he was anointed. Brother Christman, they hired people to destroy him. The enemy's threatened by your presence and your anointing. And there's people that are not here tonight because the devil tried to take them out because they fell into the trap of the enemy but I'm going to tell you what I know about the mercy of God the devil worked to take them out but God's going to let them back in do you believe that? I said God's going to let them back in and we're going to love them when they come in they might smell like the pig pen they might come in with the markings of, 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 of where they've been upon them. But you know what? When they come in, I have watched people over the years come in drunken and God sober them up in the altar and fill them with his spirit. You know why? Because greater is he that's for us than the devil that's against us. Watch as I close. They didn't just want to kill him. They wanted to mock him. standing by Barabbas and Jesus who would you like me to sit for you Barabbas or Jesus the crowd screamed Barabbas then what do you want me to do with him they started screaming crucify him crucify I can't imagine it it moves me to tears crucify him not just kill him, shame him, hang him on the cross, drop nails in his hands, put a crown of thorns on his head, whip him at the whipping post, do all these things. And they didn't just want to kill him. You know what they wanted to do? Shame. 
hardest thing about the cross was shame. It is the nature of the devil to shame. Parents, we probably should never say in our house, shame on you. Because it's not the nature of God. Shame was the worst part of the cross because it's the nature of the destruction of the devil. Before he kills, he tries to shame. (laughs) They put him on a whipping post and put 39 stripes on his back, laughing and spit in his face, didn't they? They spit in his face. They put a crown of they didn't put a crown of thorns on anybody else's head, but they just wanted to shame him. Spit in his face, plucked his beard, and they they would bow down before him. Oh, King of the Jews! And <laughs> King of the Jews, look at him. They'd slap him, shame him. He has drove nails in his hand, nail in his feet, mocked him over and over. Because that's what the enemy does. Just wants to shame what God wanted to use. But hear me tonight. They should have killed him at Pallet's Hall. When he turned him over to the crowd, they wanted to just put him on a cross, drop nails in hand. No, no. Let him drag a cross up the hill. With his mother looking and Simon Peter standing off at a distance and all these people that believed in him and He's limping. He's crippled. Blood running out of his body. Crowd is mocking, spitting. They should have killed him at the whipping post, but they want to take him down a little bit lower. They want to add one more thing to make him feel low. They should have killed him when they were nailing him. Somebody should have just killed him, but no, 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 no. They got to hang him naked in front of everybody shame him brother Timothy the devil should have taken you out when you had drugs in your car he should have taken you out on the street but somebody got to you before somebody else could and said I know a better way they should have killed him they should have pierced him on the side before no 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 let's see how long he can hang in shame But they made a mistake because he said this prayer. It is finished. You know why? Because just before that he made this statement. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm telling you right now. And because he prayed that prayer, you do not have to walk out of here shamed. You don't have to walk out of here with no purpose. You don't have to walk out of here incomplete. I come to preach to you. You can pray one more time and the Father will forgive and God will resurrect and God will finish the work that he has for your life. If you're 
watching online tonight, if you're watching, I don't care what town you're from. You hear this preacher, you can get down in your bedroom beside your bed. You can get down in your living room and get on your knees and say, Almighty oh, God, I am a sinner. I'm asking you to forgive me, God. I want to fulfill the work that you have in my life. I'm telling this church, don't you postpone what I preach tonight. God said, I want to do a work right now. I want to do a work right now in you. Everybody in the room begin to pray. I'm stirred to my soul. It's an unfinished task. It's an unfinished task. <laughs> the Lord's going to make all things new. Come on, Samson, pray one more time. Come on, prodigal son, pray one more time. Don't you walk out of here when you can pray one more time. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want the moms all over this room, I want you to come. I realize I've done this for several weeks. Just the mothers, I want you to come. I want you to come with your hands, hands lifted to the Lord. And say, God, I've got children that have work to do. There's an unfinished task. I don't want my babies to be lost. You read it, the Bible says that Samson's mom and dad went with him. There's a reason he was spared. Because he had a mom and dad covering. Come on, mama. I'm praying for my babies. Name your children right now. Lord, I'm praying a covering over them. I realize the devil will do everything he can to remove the anointing from their life. But God, forgive them. Let them have strength. Let them have peace. Hallelujah. Come on all over this room. There's a, there's a spirit of God moving. You dads back there, lift your hands. Begin to pray. 